Well, good morning. This is the Lou Rockwell Show, and it's great to have as our guest this morning, Mr. Mark Shaw. Mark is a former legal analyst for CNN, ESPN, and USA Today. He's a California attorney and investigative reporter. He's the author of 25 books, but he's spent the last 10 years trying to find out the truth about the JFK and Lee Harvey Oswald assassinations. And I like the way he puts that because, of course, those were the two assassinations uh, through the three books. And his most recent book, we're going to link to all three of those books, by the way, uh, on the page. But uh, today I want to talk to Mark about his extraordinary latest book, The Reporter Who Knew Too Much, The Mysterious Death of What's My Line TV Star and Media Icon, Dorothy Kilgallen. So, Mark, I, I'm old enough. To, I used to watch Dorothy Kilgannel and on uh, uh, What's My Line, which was actually, this may be difficult for young people to understand today, a smart quiz show. I mean, it was actually intelligent, intelligent people and intelligent subjects. So, Mark, uh, it was a big shock when she died very early at, uh, at just 52 years old. You point out that it, she was probably murdered because of the 18th-month assassination inquiry she was doing about the death of John F. Kennedy. So tell us, uh, tell us what led you to write this book, why Kilgallen is important, uh, why she deserves justice even after all these years. Well, uh, you know, it's interesting. I was never going to write this book, frankly. Uh, I had written uh, a biography of Melvin Belli and uh, researched his, his uh, representation of Jack Ruby, you know, famous lawyer, famous clients, all that. And I had some real questions about his representation of Jack Ruby because uh, Bell, I love the mafia, and the, love, uh, the mafia loved him, and I just w- wondered about that uh, insanity defense and all of that. So I covered a little bit in that in the first book, and then that led me back to the second book, The Poison Patriarch, which traced back to Joe Kennedy and his, discro- uh, his uh, double-crossing the mafia when uh, JFK was elected, saying he'd never go after those guys if they helped him win the 60 election. And then, of course, Bobby Kennedy became attorney general and went after everybody, including, of course, Carlos Marcello and and the other uh, mafiosos. So there was motive there to kill um, uh, J- JFK so Bobby would be powerless. So I, I, I covered that, and that was going to be it for me. But while I was researching the Belli book, um, a friend of Belli's uh, was telling me about, um, you know, Belli knowing Dorothy Kilgallen. And like you, I remembered her from What's My Line? And I said, what? And he said, Mark, she was an incredible investigative reporter and journalist, this powerful voice in in all different media, and it's interesting because when she died, Mel said to me, well, they've killed Dorothy. Now they'll go after Ruby. And I just could not get that um, quote out of my mind. And being a curious guy like you, I decided to look into this. I uh, uh, you know, looked into the, first, the book that had been written about her, the only one by Lee Israel in the 70s. I found an article that had been written in 2007, and I started to look into this, and I was just amazed at the other parts of her life. Um, as you know, What's My Line was watched by 20 million people every Sunday night for 15 years. But she had this uh, Voice of Broadway column in the New York Journal American syndicated to 200 newspapers. She had a radio show with her husband listened to by a million people in New York City. And more than that, this was an incredible investigative reporter who covered many of the great trials of the 20th century, the Lindbergh baby kidnapping case, um, the Dr. Sam Shepard case that became the uh, fugitive. There's a wonderful photograph of her on one of the sites, the Dorothy Kilgallen story.org, where you see her with all of the reporters um, surrounding her because she was the star of, of all those trials she covered. But 
Uh, I found out, of course, that she covered the Jack Ruby trial, and that just opened up uh, my investigation and and made me wonder about whether uh, when Kilgallen died so early in life that that might be connected to her coverage of the of the uh, JFK assassination. And also the New York City police, despite uh, a very suspicious death scene, never held an investigation. No, they didn't. And you asked me why Dorothy's important, because I think that, you know, I miss this. Um, you know, like the other authors of books that have to do with the JFK assassination, we all miss this. If you look at all the the books that are, uh, you know, best known about it, uh, whether it's uh, Posner or Bugliosi or all these other people, Dorothy's very rarely even mentioned. And uh, when she is, uh, in fact, the the uh, mention is rather distorted because nobody really did a lot of research about her. And, you know, she just, she died and then she kind of just dropped off the face of the earth. There was no investigation despite um, many things that I point out in the book that were irregular about the death scene, uh, the autopsy, all of the things that happened. And basically, you know, they concluded that she had died of barbiturates and alcohol and people just bought that and and all at once uh, you know uh, it was it was it was over i mean uh, she basically um you know was forgotten and uh, all of her investigation into the jfk assassination was forgotten nobody gave a damn nobody cared they just decided that hey she was this druggie and this alcoholic and so let it go and let it go and that's that's what's really unfortunate here that all this was buried for about 50 years and I'm not the greatest researcher in the world, but I ended up finding all of this new information, this new fresh evidence about her. And I think it will make a difference with regard to what people will uh, believe about uh, Kilgallen and, and why uh, her research into the JFK assassination is so important. Well, tell us, what, tell us about the suspicious death scene and about what was missing after her death and uh, everything that makes you think there's something extremely funny about this. Well, what we know about her is that she, you know, you can trace from, first of all, her, her look into the JFK assassination was personal. It wasn't business. She knew JFK very well from social situations, but he was so kind to her son, Carrie, when they went to the White House for a tour uh, that she never forgot that kindness. And one of the quotes that I love from one of her columns is that she remembers a tall man uh, stooping over a, a small boy um, and, and, you know, talking to him about letters he had brought to the White House, and that's who she remembered as being the guy who was killed in Dallas. So it was personal right to begin with with her. And, you know, as, one of, as what the New York Post called the most powerful female voice in America, she was on the job, and she started looking into the JFK assassination. She went to the Ruby trial. She's the only reporter who ever um, interviewed Jack Ruby, and she did it twice. And then on top of that, she exposed his Warren Commission testimony before it was supposed to be released. And I think that was the turning point where those who were afraid of this uh, fresh evidence she'd come up with that was going to be in a book she was writing for Random House, I think this is where they finally decided, listen, we need to figure out what to do with this woman because she's the only one who is really investigating the JFK assassination. So we know that that happened. We don't know exactly what Ruby told her, but that headed her to New Orleans, uh, Carlos Marcello's empire there. Um, and, and she told a hairdresser that went with her, go back to New York, don't tell anybody you were here, and so on and so forth. She then told two of her hairdressers about her fear of, the, of her son being kidnapped, that she was getting a gun, that she was worried about all of these things happening because she was so close to the truth. And, 
you'll hear, you'll watch, really, in fact, on that website that I mentioned, the hairdressers talking about how scared she is. One of them says, uh, she said, if the wrong people knew what I know now, it would cost me my life. And she was dead just a couple weeks after that. And yes, then you look at this, this, uh, this death scene. She was found uh, dead in a, in a townhouse, in her townhouse bedroom she never slept in, bed she never slept in, wearing her, her eyelashes, hairpiece, and makeup she never wore to bed, and clothes she never wore to bed. And despite all that, and despite you know, the, 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 the death scene just being um, uh, staged, uh, no investigation. Uh, the autopsy was performed by the Brooklyn office of the ME, uh, of the ME uh, people, and very unusual. That was mafia-controlled, I've showed in the book, through all of the primary sources that we have talking about that, including a couple doctors that were there. But no investigation, despite, in fact, the autopsy saying she died of barbiturate and alcohol, uh, 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 barbiturate overdose and alcohol, circumstances undetermined. And it's hard to believe that nobody would have would have picked up on that. But it wasn't her family, uh, her friends, the police, um, nobody, nobody at what's my line. Uh, they all just bought this idea that she was a druggie and an alcoholic. And unfortunately, there was no investigation of any kind. This is such a useful smear when when um, somebody dies or is killed, and the government and uh, power elite would like to get rid of them and and their memory. I can remember. It was huge national news about how she died. I mean, it was much bigger news maybe even than her death itself. Retrospectively, of course, I think that was suspicious. I didn't think so at the time. Well, yeah, what you're saying is you use the, you know, kind of the accuse the accuser type of thing. So you, you badmouth her with all these uh, bad things about her. And so it makes people more, you know, they, they believe more. Uh, the fact that this person was, you know, involved in drugs and alcohol, and then that smears everything. Uh, one of the things I'm trying to do is her voice is to bring all this back so that her remarkable career is well known. But this investigation that she had is the most credible one that there was, uh, because I wasn't there. All these other authors weren't there. But as the videos show and the and the columns and the articles show, Dorothy was there. She's a credible primary uh, source witness who was there, an eyewitness to history. And yet, you know, it was just all buried, and, and nobody ever knew about anything that she did. And, and Dorothy made enemies, uh, lots of enemies. J. Edgar Hoover, uh, for instance, you know, can imagine how upset he was with her, you know, dismissing the Oswald alone theory right away. You had Marcello. You had Sinatra was a, uh, an enemy of hers. She had all of these people, including the mafia and including this last guy that she saw the, saw the night before she died, who had reason, who had motive to kill her. But I think Dorothy felt invincible. She was so big. She was so powerful. As you said, when she died and how she died was um, in the news uh, in, in big time. But nobody picked up on the idea that maybe there's more to this story. And that, that's why justice was denied for her. She never had the investigation. Nobody looked into her death at that time. So, Mark, missing from her, her townhouse after her death were all her files on JFK. She had, you know, back in those days, you can imagine, you didn't really make copies. She used a typewriter, and so she may have had a copy that way. But she, she kept the original file uh, with her at all times or under lock and key. And, and she wasn't showing it to anybody uh, in terms of what was going on. 
it, it's interesting that uh, be, just before her last uh, What's My Line show, the night before they found her body the next day, uh, she showed it to Bennett Cerf because she was writing this book for Random House. And as you know, he was the co-founder of Random House. She showed him the first chapter or two. And then apparently she had it with her as she went out to a, a, a tavern, uh, then back to the Regency Hotel where she was seen with this mystery man um, who I have on videotape. There's these videotapes of, of both of the hairdressers, Joe Tonahill, the um, co-counsel for Ruby, and the last woman to see really, I believe, Kilgallen alive. And they all suspect that this guy that, that uh, was with her, who was a, a lover of hers, uh, who she had confided in about some of her JFK assassination evidence, uh, is the culprit. And, and uh, he's the guy who was uh, probably involved with her death. He had some mafia connections. He had a violent past and all of that. And to that end, you, I'm sure you know that um, uh, I went ahead and I've, I've sent not one but two letters to the New York City uh, District Attorney, uh, Cyrus Vance Jr., asking him to investigate Kilgallen's death. I'm told that he's reviewing that those letters and the evidence that I found and all of that. And my hope is now that um, they will look into this and some things will come to surface. And I have the great hope that that file is still out there somewhere, that somebody knows about it, whether this guy, whether it's this guy in Ohio who's still alive that was the last person to see or whatever. So I'm hoping that an investigation will shed light on all that. And even that file might, uh, might appear at some point. Mark, talk to us a little bit more about Jack Ruby. She, uh, we don't know exactly what the interview uh, uh, went with him, the, her two interviews with him, but isn't it alone a very interesting fact that no other journalist talked to Jack Ruby? Well, yeah, and you have to think about how, you know, uh, how big she was at the time. Somebody, uh, we've had good interest in the film rights to this now, and, and a guy said the other day, you news, the, the newspaper back then was um, like social media today because people that's where people got their news and and she was huge in that area i mean she had 200 newspapers that that uh, printed her column every day and and really a good question about jack ruby you know it's 50 years this month since he since he died and right away she latched on to him at the at the ruby trial um, she, she didn't believe that Oswald was the answer to all of this. She thought he was a dead end as I do, you know, who knows about all that stuff with him, but Ruby could be, could be investigated. She could look into that. And so she ingratiated herself with, uh, Mel Belli and Joe Tonahill. You'll see videos of her at a news conference with them. And right away she, she was on Ruby and Joe Tonahill explains in the video on again, the Dorothy Kilgallen story.org where, uh, how that interview came about, what um, what uh, Ruby thought of her, and all of that, and so uh, that that was her centerpiece for her investigation. That's what led her to New Orleans. That's what led her to say that she was going to crack that case wide open. Uh, she was going to New Orleans again to look into all of that, and I believe those people who decided that she couldn't, uh, they couldn't allow her to go any further. That they. You know, again, you talk about, you know, the government, you talk about Hoover, you talk about Marcello. The motive is there for them to shut this woman's mouth because she's the only one who's shouting Oswald theory doesn't make any sense. I mean, she wrote that in a column seven days after JFK was killed. Oswald file must not close. So she's out there shouting all of this and, and she's focusing on Ruby. You have to think how big it was, too, that she exposed his 
Warren Commission testimony before it was to be released. That's like the Nixon tapes or Snowden, what he did. You can imagine, I mean, we have an FBI file that's in the book where uh, Hoover, uh, next to her columns she's written, writes wrong, wrong, wrong <laughs> in, in all of this because, you know, he was, he, he was just seeing that this was the only woman who was his, his uh, adversary with regard to this. And, uh, you know, he, he's certainly one that could have, uh, you know, the book is set up a kind of a, as a true crime murder mystery because there's always these suspects. But Hoover and, and Marcello are right at the top of the list. And certainly the people involved in this didn't hesitate to kill the president of the United States. So they're not going to hesitate if they feel it necessary to kill a big time journalist. Boy, you're so insightful with this because, um, you know, uh, the, the two hairdressers who were finally, uh, finally spoke about this in the late 1990s tell the interviewers or answer the interviews questions, why didn't you talk to anybody back then? Why didn't you talk to Lee Israel in 1976? Why haven't you ever brought all this information forward? And they say, because we were scared. Because we knew who had killed her. We knew about her investigation. She told us she was going to solve the JFK assassination. She knew who had killed the president. She was going to put that in the book. We weren't going to come forward and, and say anything way back then. And then one of the interviewers said, well, how do you feel now? Are you still scared? And the guy says, yes. Because, again, you know, uh, the, the, the enemies that she had, if, if they could get to Dorothy Kilgallen and they could kill her, well, they weren't about to stop if somebody came forward, um, you know, proposing that there was more to her death than just an accidental uh, overdose of drugs. Well, Mark Shaw, this is a terrific book. Uh, I highly recommend it. Very well written. It's, it's an, like a novel. I mean, it's a tremendous narrative, just a gripping story. And far more important than uh, poor Dorothy Kilgallen, too, for given uh, maybe some of the things we see the CIA doing these days. These are very bad people who don't hesitate to do bad things. This was a great lady, I, as I remember from What's My Line. She was a very smart and very elegant lady. I mean, she was an impressive, an impressive person on television. So uh, she was smeared in death, murdered, you know, we think, smeared in death. And uh, thank goodness you're attempting to give her some justice. And just your book itself, the publication of this book, uh, is a landmark in trying to undo some of the criminality that was done to her and, and, and others. Well, the killers won here, you know, because the file disappeared. The book was never published, um, you know, buried for all these, these years. And, and as you know, uh, I mean, you're an outspoken critic and you're so well-respected in what you do with shouting out what you have to say. But you got to be careful at times because these are bad people. And, um, you know, the worst form of censorship is killing somebody. That takes care of it. And that's what happened here. And I'm, I'm just amazed uh, at the response to the book and people who are demanding justice for Dorothy. And I'm hoping the DA will investigate now so that we can figure out what happens. You know, you talk about the magic name of Dorothy Kilgallen. Uh, the New York Post had an article written by Sue Edelman about three weeks ago, a two-page, full-page uh, you know, article about the book and everything. 235,000 people, Sue told me, viewed that article. So, you know, people remember Dorothy. Young people remember her from the reruns of, of What's My Line Now? And I think there's a groundswell of support now for 
her case being investigated, looking into it, looking at the suspects who's still alive and all of that. So my hope is that um, that will happen and we'll find out what really happened to Dorothy uh, back in 1965. Well, Mark, may this book be made into a movie and to a documentary and otherwise uh, reach people. I think you've already achieved a lot of your goal with the publication of this book. As we know, the, the majority of the American people don't buy the Warren Commission report and never have. Um, I would say there's more skepticism of elite institutions now than ever before in American history. Uh, so it's easier for people to believe that something like this could happen. There was a time when people just couldn't conceive of anything like this being done by people connected to the U.S. government and its related institutions. Um, so people are ready to hear this. You wrote it at the right time. Congratulations to you. Thanks for coming on the show today and look forward to your future work. I look forward to reading some of your previous books. And uh, you're a national asset, Mark. Well, I, that really warms my heart for you to say that because I have such uh, respect for you and what you do. So thank you so much. It's, uh, as I say, an honor to be on your program. Mark, thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Well, thanks so much for listening to The Lou Rockwell Show today. Take a look at all the podcasts. There have been hundreds of them. There's a link on the LRC front page. Thank you. Thank you.